Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. My last two tweets on Twitter have actually, they are both tweets that make me extremely happy. You can follow me on Twitter. It's um, at Jeff Wagner 620. So, Rue, producing the show today and always, here's how I spent yesterday evening. And as I say in the tweet, this is one of the best parts about, you know, being a, a grandfather. And that is you get to go to fourth grade concerts for free. And so last night I was out at Pewaukee High School. My sweet granddaughter, Addison, she was she was performing in a fourth grade concert. And Fran and I went out and we saw it, had a great time. And out on Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620, that is my lovely wife and my granddaughters, Addison and McKenna, last night as we were attending a concert it was just it was just the word would be life affirming i just had a ton of fun it was great to see all these kids and they were out there and they were performing and and actually as kids concerts go this one was pretty cool because they were doing they were doing music from the 50s and the 60s and the 70s my granddaughter mckenna said you know papa jeff is is this was this music when when you were growing up and it was like like Bill Haley rock around the clock, and I said, "Well, it was even believe it or not, McKenna, it was even before my time." You know, that's right before she looked at me and said, "Boy, you're really tall," and you can kind of see that in the picture. I said, "I guess it's being it's better than your granddaughter saying, Boy, you're really heavy,' or something like that." It's just, so. All right, we've got that picture up on Twitter. If you want to follow me, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty, and that's the two of my uh, my my two granddaughters on my stepdaughter Amy's side. All right. We start actually, we started off this segment of the program on Tuesday talking about the fact that it appeared that the four, the third of July fireworks may in fact have been dead. You might remember the story. The third of July fireworks, big lakefront fireworks have been going on since Schlitz underwrote the cost back in 1963 for the last X number of years, U.S. Bank has picked up the tab. It costs about $350,000 to stage those lakefront fireworks on July 3rd. U.S. Bank had announced that last year was going to be the last year they do it. And, and this is, you know, one of the, one of the big points is this is what happens when Big corporations move their headquarters. And I'm not criticizing U.S. Bank, but, you know, for the longest time, you know, U.S. Bank was was it, it was based out of Milwaukee. And so you had the CEO who attends all the meetings with all the other people from in town. And now U.S. Bank is a Minneapolis based operation and i think what probably happened is they kept looking at this and saying okay well you know what's our return on investment you know we're not really part it's not like our our ceo is going to go to these fireworks or anything like before and i think they just came to the conclusion that well the return on investment wasn't there we had a fascinating conversation which is available on the podcast of tuesday show you can check that out through our, our mobile application but in a conversation about 
what would happen if the fireworks disappeared? I understand that sometimes what happens is you have events that are here forever and then people lose interest in them and they go away. Um, classic examples would be the local golf tournament used to be the Greater Milwaukee Open or the circus parade. Wonderful things, but people lost interest. I don't believe the fireworks are that type of thing. I understand we've got community parks that have the fireworks on the 4th, but I think July 3rd is a big deal. Well, here is the latest development. I have a link to this story, again, up on the Twitter account if you want to see it. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. But Lance Allen from today's TMJ4, he is reporting that sources, he's got sources that say that the fireworks are back on. Apparently, according to Lance Allen's sources, Milwaukee philanthropist Ted Kellner, and full disclosure, Ted Kellner is one of the investors in this, this in Good Karma Brands and this radio station. Ted Kellner, really good friend of my wife's, as a matter of fact, but we, we know the family very well. But he, former chairman, I think he's the former chairman of the Summerfest board. He might still be the current chairman, but a very, very successful businessman, a noted philanthropist. Ted Kellner, the Milwaukee Brewers, and American Family Insurance are apparently um, among the supporters who are stepping up to continue the the fireworks. Uh, the Brewers announcing that uh, tomorrow at Miller Park, they're going to be having a, a press conference. Milwaukee County, the Milwaukee Brewers, Christian Yelich, and partners will co-host a press conference announcing plans to continue a community tradition. And like I say, um, Lance Allen's sources are saying this is a commitment to continue the July 3rd fireworks. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this is incredibly cool. This is great news if this is in fact true, and I have no reason to believe that it's not. The fireworks on July 3rd are an important, an important event for this community. And to the extent that we can keep them, hopefully this is going to be a long-term thing, not just for 2019, but for the foreseeable future. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to be honest. I am thrilled. I am thrilled that people appear to be stepping up to save the fireworks. Hope I don't have to eat my words in 48 hours, but I'm pretty convinced that's not going to be the case. Are you as excited as I am? Are you thrilled to see the fireworks continue? I sure am. 414-799-1620. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, the breaking news is today's TMJ4, Lance Allen, reporting that his sources say that uh, the 3rd of July fireworks are going to be continuing. His report is that the Brewers, along with uh, noted Milwaukee philanthropist Ted Kellner and American Family, are among supporters. And that say among, that tells me maybe there's some others who are going to uh, be stepping up to continue the fireworks. There is a press conference scheduled for Miller Park tomorrow. Christian Yelich apparently going to be part of that. If this is the case, and I suspect it probably is, I can't tell you how just absolutely cool I think this is, that the 3rd of July fireworks are going to continue. I know it has been a tradition for my family, and I'm sure for many of you it's been a tradition for your family as well. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Tony on the east side. Tony, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. I was... uh 
I think it's a great thing. Uh, you know, I'm 52. As long as I can remember, we've had 3rd of July fireworks. You know, it's kind of like Christmas Eve. Uh, if people don't understand, they come to Milwaukee, and they're like, it's not the 4th of July. Why are you doing fireworks for the 3rd? Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's just what we do. I will say that there has been trouble in the past, and I would say that uh, people that are willing to step forward with this could say, it may not, you know, next year may not happen if there's, you know, we're going to have, um, you know, any type of trouble up on the reservoir or shooting people. You know, I mean, somebody was killed one year. Uh, yeah, I guess. But at this, I mean, I, I appreciate that, Tony. But at the same time, I don't, I mean, I don't, rem- but the, the big thing that I remember about that is one of the things that does get my goat a little bit about the July 3rd fireworks is that from time to time, I, I used to have to. I used to do my program or the morning show from from Summerfest on the fourth, and so I'd be driving down Lincoln Memorial Drive on the morning of the fourth, heading to the Summerfest grounds or whatever, and I, I would just. I would just look at all the trash that people left. That was always one of my big things. It was that yeah, I wish people didn't have to be pigs and would pick up after themselves. I guess I don't remember instances of violence or things like that. Matter of fact, I think the 3rd of July fireworks are one of these great community things that brings the entire area together. And of course, you know, on the 4th of July, you've got the local fireworks. I mean, I've been going, I go to Clody Park in Whitefish Bay. I've been doing that since I was a kid. That's where, you know, I tend to, to go for the 3rd of July fireworks, 4th of July fireworks. But the events at the lakefront, like I say, I think sometimes, sometimes you have these events and they've been going on forever and they lose their luster. The 3rd of July fireworks is not that. How excited are you? Is this good news for you? 414-799-1620. Michael in Milwaukee. Michael, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, this is uh, Michael. Thank you for taking my call, yes, Jeff. Sir. Hey, I want to say it's outstanding that these individuals and groups step forward. I worked uh, protective services in Milwaukee for 25 years, many years at the lakefront, and I saw, for the most part, just people from every background coming together mm-hmm. and having a blast, especially the kids. Right. But the thing that I do want to say, Jeff, that I am so disappointed is in our corporate partners in Milwaukee. Because all I hear about from corporations are if you don't give us tax breaks, we're going to leave. You don't fix the roads, we're going to leave. You don't do this, we're going to leave. And to tell you the truth, I think that is a grave injustice. We need partnerships. We need the corporations to help us with this city because it is growing. Mm-hmm. And, and as far as I'm concerned, do you want to be part of the growth and share the wealth, or do you just want to be a taker? Well, Mike, and, and I think that's, that's – I think you yeah, – no, 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 I appreciate you know. it. No, I think you make a fair point. Thanks to call. But, okay, I, I, I don't know that this is the story to make that point on. I mean, because this is an example, if, the, if this is true, this is an example of, in this case, it's the Brewers and American Family Insurance and local philanthropist Ted Kellner and, and who knows how many others that are stepping up to make it happen. So, I mean, I agree with your basic concept, but this is apparently an example where you have either local corporations or you have Wisconsin corporations that are saying, okay, we recognize how significant this is in the community and, and we're going to step up and do it. It does, though, underscore the the perhaps larger point beyond this, uh, uh, that is the challenges moving forward. Because, again, as more and more companies 
move their corporate headquarters and the CEOs to the point I was making earlier. And the CEOs are no longer part of, of the community. They're not living in Milwaukee, so they're not attending the breakfasts. They're uh, again, Milwaukee is an important for U.S. Bank. I don't mean to pick on U.S. Bank, but you know, Milwaukee. Okay, they're 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 a city that U.S. Bank does business in, but it's not the city where the CEO lives. It's not the city where all the top executives live. You know, that's that's Minneapolis. So you know, they're going to the clubs in Minneapolis and they're talking to all those movers and shakers. And when you look at say, okay, do we stage and do we underwrite an event in Cincinnati? Do we underwrite an event in Toronto, in in a city that is not yours? Then you just have to say, okay, well, what's the return on investment? Does it make sense to do this from a public relations standpoint? How much money are we going to get back out of it? It's different when corporate headquarters leave. And that's why it is so important, whether it's a Foxconn or whether it's a Northwestern Mutual or whatever, it's so important to have the corporate headquarters of the business located here. And candidly, you've seen a, a loss of that. It's not just U.S. Bank. All right, Mil- Miller Coors, well, I understand they have a huge presence in Milwaukee. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, Mil- Miller Coors headquarters, it's not like it's Milwaukee, like when it was Miller Brewing anymore. And think of all those those corporations that used to be exclusively Milwaukee, and now they're again the corporate headquarters are in Ireland for goodness sakes for you know Johnson Controls four one four seven nine nine one six twenty Kelly in Milwaukee Kelly you're on WTMJ. Hi Jeff, Hi. I just wanted to reiterate what everyone else said. I'm super happy that somebody stepped up and is sponsoring the fireworks. We've gone every year for as long as I can remember, um, my husband and I, and we finally have a daughter, and we were looking forward to taking her. So it's super exciting that somebody stepped up and is is doing this for us. Yeah. Um, how long would you say you've been going, Kelly? Um, easily 15 years, I'd say. Yeah. Does, does it ever and, get old for you? No, and we've actually changed spots over the course of years where we have, you know, different spots we go in. Our current spot might not be able to go for many more years because of development, but it always, no matter where we go, you get a sense of community because there's always people that you befriend yeah. that no matter what, if you're not right there in the heart of the park, there's always people. You always meet new friends and new people, and it's just a sense of community no matter where you come from. I always, Everybody just joins together. I always love watching the TV reports about the people who go down and start camping out you know, the, the night of the second. I mean, I, you know, and everybody seems to know each other and they come down yeah. and, and people reserve, uh, people show up and take the same spots every year. I just think that's a, it's a cool local tradition that doesn't exist in a lot of other places. Absolutely. It's just a sense of tradition and sense of community. And it's one of the really, really good, bright spots in Milwaukee. Like it's just a good story for Milwaukee. No, it it is. No, thanks for calling. I guess we all have, I I was telling this story the other day and it's, I I understand that there's lots of institutions and right now, right now, particularly in Milwaukee County, there's a lot of, of wrestling with what can we continue to do? I mean, you've got all these different enormous financial needs that the safety building that that's got to come down. They got to rebuild the safety building because candidly, it's just live. It's outlived its useful usefulness. And that's going to be several hundred million dollars. There's the ongoing conversation about the domes. There's always the need for the parks. There's the need for, you know, upgrading the zoo. You've got the museum that wants to move and there's only so much money to go around and you have to pick and choose and decide, okay, where we'd love to do everything. But the truth 
truth of the matter is you can't do everything. And for a number of these institutions to continue, what you need is you need the private sector to, to step up. And at least if Lance Allen is correct, and I've got both of my, you know, I'm crossing fingers on, on both hands here, and I'll cross my finger, my toes as well. Hopefully this is going to, you know, turn out to be correct. My guess is that it is, and that you're going to have this continuation of an absolutely tremendous event. And if that is the case, everybody in southeastern Wisconsin who makes the 3rd of July fireworks, you know, part of their, their annual ritual, and we're going to owe a debt of gratitude to everybody who decides to step up. So this is very, very good news to start the Friday show off with. It's uh, 1226. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. All right, earlier this week, a number of people including family members, got their hope up that that maybe this missing child, child that went missing when he was six years old, Timothy Pitson, uh, maybe he had in fact been found. And this was going to be the, this this great story, kind of like the, the Jamie Claus story. And I understand the Jamie Claus story, uh, you know, she was found and she was safe. Of course, it, it starts off with the murder of her parents, but at least, you know, she was found and that doesn't happen a lot. Or the Elizabeth Smart story, you, you, we're thinking, okay, is it possible that this could be another one of these stories? For for those of you who just didn't hear the details, what, what happened the other day is in this, this Kentucky town, this person comes up and, and says that he just escaped from kidnappers. He'd been fled from a red roof inn. He just escaped these kidnappers, uh, two white men in a a Ford SUV with Wisconsin plates, both of them built like bodybuilders. I mean, it was this lengthy, lengthy story um, telling it to people. Well, then what happens is the police arrive and they, they, you know, they get involved in this. They take the person to the hospital um, trying to get the story, et cetera, et cetera. And, and the person is saying that I'm what would now be this 14 year old boy. This is Timothy Pitson. Now, Matter of fact, we talk, I mentioned this on the show yesterday that I, I made the conscious decision that I wanted to hold off discussing this until we had more information because candidly, as much as I think all of us who were familiar with the story were hoping that this was going to be the story, there were all sorts of red flags. And you never, you never, it's, I think it's, you never want to say that if, because if, you're hoping it's going to be the best. But there were red flags all over this particular story, including the fact that just the way the authorities were discussing this, I, I just I got the sense that they had some serious questions. Well, now we know what some of those serious questions are. This wasn't a 14-year-old missing child. This was a 23-year-old, you know, ex-con, a 23-year-old felon who, you know, was telling these stories. Uh, the guy who, this Brian Riney, who's now been charged with a crime, we'll get to that in just a moment, 22, 23 years old, he's done time for various offenses. His family, I mean, I've heard his brother on the news saying, yeah, this is what he does. He goes around and he claims to be missing people. The story is 
Apparently, at some point in time, the guy had seen the story of the disappearance of this child on 2020 and wanted to have a family like this child did. And so he purportedly pretended to be this kid. Now, my guess is that even though he doesn't necessarily look like he's 14, that's one of the things my guess is the authorities pretty quickly were able to tell we're not dealing with a 14 year old. We're dealing with a 23 year old. But in any event, he has now been found out making these charges. Clearly, the guy has a screw loose. I I would perhaps phrase it a little more directly than that, but he he clearly has a screw loose. But now he's been criminally charged with making a false police report to the FBI. That is a felony if you lie about a material fact, and this whole story is a material fact. Like I say, clearly there's some something psychologically going on here and and who knows if he's legally insane or whatever but he's clearly not right in the head you don't just do this for the sake of of doing this so here is what i would like to discuss with you where do we go from here this is a horrific hoax to play on on the the family of this child who you know continues to hold out hope that he is going to be found this was a horrific hoax to play on them it was an horrific hoax to play on law enforcement who has to again jump through these different hoops to try to figure out who this person is and and verify or in this case disprove his story it was an incredible disappointment i know to thousands and thousands maybe tens of thousands of people who were hoping that this story was going to have a a very good ending so it was a very very cruel joke to play but at the same time you've got a guy who clearly isn't right so is this an appropriate matter for criminal charges 414-799-1620 what do you what do we do from here do you issue charges? Do you put this guy in jail or in prison for a couple years to punish him for doing this? Or is there nothing to be gained from it? 414-799-1620, what should happen? Let's start with Dale in Madison. Hi, Dale. How you doing, Jeff? Well, well what do you think? No, I, I think that, uh, I mean, we they couldn't even prosecute Jesse Smollett, where they had uh, they had spent an incredible amount of time, energy, and money, and they can't even find it in themselves to prosecute this guy. Uh, they've spent a lot less time, energy, and money on uh, this individual. And as you said, uh, it's clearly something wrong with him. Uh, I just don't think that there's any benefit in you know moving forward uh, with any kind of prosecution of this guy. Okay, I, I, well let me let me let me ask you the flip side of that deal. Let let's say let's say you you give him a pass on this for for exactly you know the reasons we were just discussing, and six months down the line he does something else that's even worse um, that that actually does hurt somebody or somebody gets injured. If if you've let him go on this. Um, do you have blood on your hands for whatever he might do next? Well, possibly, but, the, you know, I read stories in Madison all the time of guys that uh, get arrested for, for substantial battery, and they have a rap sheet where, you know, they've uh, battered other people, strangled people while in mm-hmm. the, in, in the uh, commission of a robbery, pointing guns, right. and, and, and then they're picked up on their third offense. So, you know, uh, based on what this guy has done in the past, I mean, it's 
nothing compared to what they're letting people out on these days, uh, you know, even in Madison. No, well, thank, there, well, there's no there's no question about that, which is kind of, it's one of the reasons why it, it's always amusing to me when I, when I hear people talk about, oh, you know, we've got this mass incarceration going on. Well, the truth is, you, you got to work to get yourself sent to jail, and you really got to work to get yourself sent to prison, which is where people go. Jail is like the year or less. And, and this idea that, oh, there's all these just nonviolent, innocent people that are sitting in, in prisons, that that is by and large a a myth that's perpetrated by people that have a certain agenda but at the same time does the fact the guy committed a crime there's no question about it and this was this even though i am sure that police had their doubts about this story from the beginning still i mean there was time that was involved in this you want to discourage people from doing this can you just let him can you just let him walk away knowing that well he's given his track record my guess is he's going to do something sometime in the very near future jeff in sheboygan jeff you're on wtmj good afternoon hey hi what do you think well, I, I think that the man needs help, obviously. Uh, as far as criminal charges, uh, I don't believe he should get away with it, but it, he needs more help than anything, and the family doesn't even seem to be worried about, well, I guess that's the wrong word there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they, don't, they don't seem to be looking for any kind of prosecution i think it was the grandmother that even said you know they feel sorry for the guy pray for the guy right right but at the uh, same time what about the fbi i mean do do we have to discourage people from going in and filing false false police reports absolutely i mean there is uh, something needs to be done but criminal charges okay depend i mean it shouldn't be a felony Mm -hmm. Uh, you know this is something where you know if he gets help that might come off his record later um, well, I mean, thanks for call. Of course, his record is getting longer and longer. He's already a convicted felon, and he's been in and out of the Huskal for different things. I mean, I guess here, here is my concern. And you look at somebody like this, and like I said, he's clearly not right. But you know, the truth of the matter is lots of people who commit crimes are, are clearly not right. I think you have to do something. Do you put him in prison for five years? Well, I'm not sure what that would gain. But but you, you've got to get him in the system. At, yes, I think you have to charge him with making a false police report. You have to convict him. And then, you know, maybe as part of whatever sentence he ends up getting, you make sure he, he you, he's at least exposed to some mental health stuff. But the bottom line is you, you can't just let this guy stay out on the street and do these type of things because who knows what it's going to be next. And, and yeah, I understand. This is one of the things. This is one of the reasons why what the state's attorney, which is the equivalent of the district attorney down in Chicago, what the state's attorney did with the the Jussie Smollett case, it's why – it does come back and haunt you because I appreciate our first caller. He's saying, well, look, you know, that that guy, you know, made Chicago look like it was this racist enclave. They spent one hundred and forty thousand dollars. We'll talk about that in just a little bit later on in the show, too. But you know, we spent one hundred and forty thousand dollars at least, maybe even more doing this investigation to prove that Jesse, Jesse Smollett was lying and, and he gets to walk away. Nothing happens to him. How do you how do you hold this guy accountable? Well, the bottom line is. 
uh, Smollett should have been held accountable, and I think this guy needs to be held accountable. Like I say, five years in prison. Okay, that that perhaps is excessive, but you got to do something. You got to charge him. You got to get him into the system, and you penalize him. And if in the process of doing that, you also get him some of the help that he obviously needs, well, then it, it's a win-win. But um, it is unfortunate that that everybody's hopes were at least raised for a little bit of the time by the, this psycho claiming to be. You know, this child that he's because he saw this all on 2020. So it's a sad ending to what could have been a great feel good story this week. And I do think there needs to be some accountability. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Forty-six degrees outside. Looks like it's going to be an extremely nice weekend. So glad to have you with us. Interesting story coming from my former community, Whitefish Bay, that that raises again some of these larger issues that I am am fascinated by. I am one of these people who believes that under no circumstances, no circumstances, is it appropriate to use the N word. And I I will tell you, I cringe. I cringe when I'm, I don't know, watching one of the shows on television or a movie or whatever, and you you hear that word being thrown around. And I don't care whether it's coming out of the mouth of a white person or an Hispanic person or a black person. I, I think it is harmful, and I think it ends up normalizing a word that we should not normalize. Now, I understand that there are some schools of thought that say, well, it's okay for black people to use that word when they're addressing white people or black people. It's okay for them to do it. I I don't buy that. I mean, I I think if we want to understand a word that has that impact and has that hateful connotation to it, I, I think it's a word that just shouldn't be used because again by throwing it around you normalize it and when you hear some of these songs by some of these performers and it seems like that word is in every third word of a particular song well then you look at the crowd you know we've had stories like this where you let's say you have an african-american performer who's doing a rap thing or whatever and every fifth or sixth word is the n-word and then you look at the crowd and then you have people who are singing along to it or rapping along and so you have people that uh, again of all different races that are using that type of language well shouldn't we be trying to discourage people from using that word and uh, again i i'm not into censorship and things like that but it it's a word that i think you know the sooner we remove it from society the better off everyone will be and it it's tough it's tough to do that if you're going to say, well, okay, this is a word that's acceptable in some contexts or it's acceptable coming out of some people's mouths, but it's not acceptable coming out of others. And I guess wouldn't it just be easier to say this is not an acceptable word, period. Now, what does this have to do with Whitefish Bay? Well, the school administrators at Whitefish Bay have apparently sent home a a letter to all the parents, because here's apparently what was going on, and I don't know how widespread this is. Today's TMJ4 had the report. But apparently what was going on is you would have white students who would come up to black students. 
And again, I don't know that this is necessarily widespread, but if it happened once or twice, that's one or two times too many. And they would say to the black students, can I get, can I get an M, an N pass or a, a black pass or a black card? And, and what they were referring to is, is the meaning is, can, can I get permission from you? So that I can use the N word for, for something. Because if it, I guess the theory again is it's okay for you to say that. Can, can you give me permission that I can use it and people won't be offended? Oh, this, this sort of, uh, again, the, the silliness and the semantic, you know, hoops that people are jumping through and all. And of course, the, you know, the teachers found out about it. The administrators found out about it. And they sent this letter home saying, appropriately so saying look you know we want to have this dialogue about this and this language is unacceptable and could you please sit down and could you talk to your kids about this and you know if if you start to see this going on could you please do everything you can to discourage it and i'm 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 all in favor of that this is not a criticism of the administrators for dealing with this but it is a comment on the larger culture now i don't know if the kids who are doing this are I, I don't know, sincerely asking for permission to do this because they see it as part of the popular culture or whether just trying to be obnoxious racists. I, I, I don't know, and maybe the answer is a little bit of both. But again, here's the here's the bottom line, and this is, I think, the, the conversation that needs to be had. If we are going to agree that certain language is unacceptable, I think it doesn't matter whose mouth that language comes out. If we agree that certain words are, are hurtful and that we shouldn't be uttering them, well, well, maybe, maybe then, then you, the filmmakers should, should not be having those words come out of characters' mouths. And maybe some of the performers, uh, maybe they should kind of dial it back. And maybe, you know, the everyday people, maybe everyday people should sit and say, you know, it, it, their words have meaning and this is maybe a word that I don't need to have in my vocabulary and it doesn't matter whether I'm black or white or brown or green or blue the world is just kind of a better place if we're not throwing around some of this language because if you do inevitably it leads to silliness like you see in this situation in Whitefish Bay where again you have kids that are either trying to be cleverly racist or they're saying hey if it's okay for you to say this word why isn't it okay for me to say this word maybe just collectively we, we get upset about so much stuff and so much political correctness can't we just all agree that there are some things that are beyond bounds and, and maybe that in this particular case use of that one word the n-word maybe it's just inappropriate for anybody to say period all right it's twelve fifty-seven. when we come back in a few minutes after the news i have an interesting story that i want to talk about and then use that for a discussion launching point for a larger discussion when is it time to cut your losses and have you ever had to do it Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. This is story. Starts at the world of baseball, but it has much larger implications. And that's I want to use it as a launching point for something I want to discuss with you. Chris Davis is the first baseman for the Baltimore Orioles. 
He's been playing in the major leagues since 2008. He started with Texas. They traded him to Baltimore in 2011. And he's one of these guys who, at least for a good portion of his career, he's a big power hitter, hits a lot of home runs. 2013, he led the American League or maybe Major League Baseball, hit 53 home runs, knocked in 138 runs. Had kind of a down year in 2014. 2015, he again leads either the American League or the or the Major Leagues, hits 47 home runs, knocks in 117 runs. All right, and at the time, he was in his late 20s. After the 2015 season, the Baltimore Orioles sign him to a massive contract. Seven-year contract extension, $161 million. So he averages $23 million a year. And the way the way these contracts work is it's guaranteed. So he, he's going to get paid regardless. So that's after the 2015 season. 2016 season, well, his numbers go down a little, but he hits 38 home runs, still pretty good. Batting average, 221, eh, not great, but but still, he hits 38 home runs, knocks in 84 runs. 2017, hits 26 home runs. Okay, you know, going down a little bit, his batting average drops to 215. All right, last year, last year, his batting average dropped to 168. Now, let me give you perspective on this if you're not a, a baseball fan. This is by far and away the lowest batting average that any regular player in baseball history ever had. 168. So, I mean, it, it's not just bad. It is historically bad. Regular players, that is, people getting enough at-bats to qualify for, you know, the season, nobody's ever had a 1.68 batting average. Nobody. And he, and he's still getting paid all this money. Well, it, he's apparently, you know, also getting worse because what happened is to end last season, and I've got the numbers here, to end last season, he went um, 0 4 21. So at the end of last year, the last 21 at-bats that he had, he, he did not get a hit. His for last hit was a single like in September. He started off this year, he is 0 for 17. So in other words, his last 38 times at-bat, he has not gotten a base hit. He's 0 for 38 collectively. He strikes out somewhere in the neighborhood of about 40 to 50% of the time. So he's not getting hits. He's just also, he, he's striking out. And he's collecting $23 million uh, a year. Oh, so, the by the way, the major league record for going hitless, it's 46. So the guy has now 38. So, I mean, if, if he doesn't get a hit in the next couple games, he's going to set the all-time record. The record is 46. The record before the guy that had 46 was 45. Gru, who's producing the show today and always, do you know who was tied for the major league record with the most consecutive at-bats without a hit? 45. Do you know who that was? I have no idea. You have no idea? Craig Council. Craig Council, the manager of the Brewers. Yes, he had 40. Back in 2000, I'm sure he loves me bringing this up. Yeah, but uh, right in 2011, yeah, he was 
0 for 45, you know, when playing with the, the Brewers, 0 for 45. So, but the, somebody else passed him the next year, went 0 for 46. But this Chris Davies, you know, he's pushing this. He's 0 for 38 right now. Now, the difference is Council wasn't getting paid $23 million a year back then. He's getting paid $23 million a year. And it's not just really a slump. I mean, last year, like I say, last year for the whole season, he hit 168. Nobody has ever hit 168 for a whole season. And if they hoped it was an aberration, it's not. It started off, he, for whatever has happened, he's just absolutely awful. And the fans in Baltimore, of course, have broken incredibly bad. They boo him mercilessly when you know he, he comes up to bat and things like that. But the Orioles are still on the hook for this year and another three and a half years at $23 million per. So, I mean, they're they're on the hook for another 60-whatever-million dollars plus this year for this guy named Chris Davies. And nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows what to do because you've got this incredible amount of money that is invested in him, and he's just awful. And he's been now awful, and and you know who knows if it's in his head or who knows if it's a physical thing or whatever. Sometimes maybe you just lost, you've lost it. But I mean, all indications are this guy has lost it. All right, I've been thinking about this as a broader point because maybe you can relate to something like this in in your life. One of the most difficult things for I think people to do is to be willing to acknowledge that there has been a mistake that has been made and a willingness to just say, okay, that this is, I, I made a mistake, I'm going to move on. I'm not going to perpetuate the mistake by continuing to dig the hole. Instead, I'm going to climb out of the hole, I'm going to fill it in and move on. But people just don't want to do that. Think about your own life. How many times have maybe you made a bad purchase? You, you bought something that you thought that you were going to like, and then all of a sudden you realize it's not right, but it's too late to take it back or whatever. So instead of simply throwing the thing out, you continue to use it because you've paid money for it. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's it's very difficult to do this. And my guess is maybe you got some examples of this in your life. But if I'm if I'm the Baltimore Orioles with this Chris Davis, Unless there is a dramatic change, I think you just have to cut your losses and move on and say, all right, look, this is we we misspent the money. We made a mistake, but merely because we've made this commitment for this money, if we don't think this guy got it anymore, you can't just continue putting somebody out to fail. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When you've made a mistake, is it is it important to move on, or sometimes you just ride it out and hope it's going to get better? 414-799-1620, and think about the Davis case with your life. I just believe that it's hard to do, but when it's apparent that you've made mistakes, I think you got to move on. 414-799-1620, we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff So glad to have you with us. Travis in Wapan. Hi, Travis. You're on WTMJ. Hi. What do you think? Um, I just wanted to say uh, I listen to MLB radio a lot. Right. The, the GM at the time for the Orioles um, is now a host on MLB radio. Right. 
and he did not make that deal with Chris Davis. He did not want the deal, and uh, the owner actually had a backroom meeting with him and made it without him authorizing it. Of course, and, and of course, the operative thing that you just said is the former general manager for the Orioles. He's he's right. now doing the doing radio instead of being the general manager. So what are the okay? But what what do you do if by the guy hits one sixty eight last year? He's over thirty eight already this year. He's striking out clearly. He's lost it, or something's going on. Do you continue trotting him out there to play? Yeah, they're they're rebuilding. They have no reason um, to to not. I mean, he might come out of it. He won't, but he might. You might as well just keep paying him. You're going to pay him anyways, and see what happens. Um, there's another guy on the the Boston Red Sox that's in the minor league. He's good enough to play pro, but they won't bring him up because it'll put him over further over the salary right. or the salary back. So it's part of it. it the guy's hitting, I think, 300 this year in AAA, and they won't bring him up because they don't want to pay him. Well, let's talk about Davies, though. If you're right, maybe you know, maybe Lightning will strike and he'll turn it around. But by just trotting him out there and having him play, if he's striking out, if if he's if he's going to hit 168 again, aren't you just blocking somebody else from maybe starting to play and learn how to play that job? Potentially, but you're going to pay him either way, and you're probably getting fans to show up just to watch him strike out. Just to boo him. No, thanks. See, well, I guess, see, that, that's kind of my point, Travis, and, and this is with a larger point from, from Chris Davies. This is something that happens to all of us from time to time. Think back. You, you make an investment. And obviously the owner in this particular case thought, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to sign this guy. He's going to continue to perform, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, maybe, maybe he'll turn around, but I think, you know, everybody pretty much seems to think this, this guy has lost it. That, that happens to all of us. I'll give you an example from my life. A few years ago, bought this set of golf clubs, ordered them, ordered the set of golf clubs, and they came and you know, from the first minute I got them, and they very, they, they were not cheap. They were not cheap, but they were just, they, they were highly recommended, et cetera, et cetera. I got them, and from the minute I got them, I didn't like them. They just, they didn't feel right to me. I didn't like the way the, I didn't like the way the ball was coming off the club. It just, they didn't feel right to me. And, and again, I'm not a very good golfer. And so I need all the help I can get. But I kept reading the reviews saying, these these are these great golf clubs, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I kept thinking that it, it's got to be me. It can't be the clubs. And, and that could very well be the case. But I didn't like these clubs. And instead of just doing what I should have done, which is recognize that I had made a mistake in buying these in the first place, I decide I'm going to, oh, they'll get better, whatever. And, and, and so I also you know didn't want to acknowledge the fact that, okay, well, I, I the, the return thing is is past. I, I I've spent this money on these stupid golf clubs that I don't like. So here I'm going to use them to make it you know worth it. Well, of course it doesn't change the fact that I'm not getting that money back regardless. So I would go out, I would play golf with these things, and I, I just at the end of every round I'd sit there and I think I really just don't like these clubs, you know. And but but I'm like okay, well I got to keep playing for it. I got to keep playing with them because I spent the money. Well, all right. What I should have realized at the time was this is a sunk cost. That money is gone. See you later. And it, and it doesn't matter whether I'm getting the value out of them or not. I don't like the clubs. I'm not having fun. It's not working out. Here, just put, you know, 
try to sell the things, you know, in a secondhand shop and, you know, get pennies on the dollar or, you know, try to give them to somebody and then, like, move your problem down the line or whatever. And you know where those golf clubs are? Those golf clubs are still in my basement. I mean, this is the human nature thing. They are still in my basement because I figure, well, maybe if I ever got a a second house, a house in Florida or something like that, I'd move them down there so I have another. Honestly, this is my my thought process. I'll move them down there so I got a second set of golf clubs in Florida and I have to haul golf clubs back and forth. Well, of course, I, I, I'm still forgetting the fact that I don't like these golf clubs. I can't hit these golf clubs. It's it's a mistake. And and yet I have so much trouble trying to acknowledge that I, I made a mistake when I should just kind of say, okay, let's let's just go with this. But, you know, the Baltimore Orioles, this is one of the clear examples of this. They made a mistake with this guy. They paid him all this money, and now it's an exercise in futility, and it's painful for him. You know, he's going to get the dough anyhow. You're not helping the team at all. You're blocking, you know, space from somebody who might be able to perform better. But you continue doing something because you've invested that money in it when it's best to just move on. For me, it's best to move on. And I actually did. The next season, I moved on from the golf clubs. I I said, I'm not, even though I haven't gotten rid of them yet. I I said, look, I'm I'm not going to go through another year like this. I'm, I'm going to go buy, I'm going to go buy something else. And I like the clubs I have now just immensely better. Don't play necessarily any better, but I like them better. But that's what we all have to do. We just get so wrapped up in things. It's like, well, you know, we've invested this time and effort, whatever. And even if we're not having fun, we've got to continue going ahead and doing this because we've spent the money or we've made the commitment. No, sometimes you just have to learn to cut your losses. So, Gru, you need a pair of golf clubs? Need a good set of golf clubs? You're not touching these golf clubs after I've said that. All right, I understand. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back, so glad to have you with us. The weather forecast says, well, warm weekend and then the potential for some snow by the middle of next week. Give me a break. All right, there's this thing called the General Social Survey. It's been it's done by the University of Chicago. It's been around since 1972, and it's a poll, but it's not. It's not a political poll in the sense of who you're going to vote for for president, but it's it's a survey that they do of Americans every year, and they they test attitudes and they ask questions about. Um, topics of social interest like civil liberties and things and they that you know national spending priorities it's it's beyond politics it's just designed to try to get a handle on american attitudes and not necessarily to be used as something for policy making but rather to show shifts on things so let's say you ask a bunch of gun control questions in 1980 and then you ask the same questions in 2015 and you see what the results are, are they the same, are they different, are American attitudes changing, things like that. All right, this year, by this year being 2018, so that's the results are just in, for the first time ever since 1972, this general social survey included a battery of questions on pet ownership. And they were looking to find out, okay, how, how many how many families, households really do own pets? And then... Let's make some comparisons. So what they found is that nearly 6 in 10 households have at least one pet, sometimes more. But at least 6 out of 10 households have one pet. 
Well, here's where it gets interesting, because they 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 started to, to break it down between like dogs and cats, and they started asking questions uh, about that, and then they started comparing like uh, the households that had dogs and the households with cats to some of the other questions that they were asking about general satisfaction with life. I mean, that's what part of the thing. Are you happy? Are you success- are you happy with your where you are, et cetera, et cetera. Here is what they found, that if you compare dog owners to people who don't own pets, dog owners are slightly, slightly more likely to say that they're, they're very happy with their, their life than people that don't have pets. But it's close. Dog owners slightly more happy with their life than than people who don't have pets. Then when you compare cat owners to that, what you find, and this is this is fascinating, is that, you know, people who own cats, generally speaking, are 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 significantly less happy with their lives than people who are petless and people who are dog owners. So the conclusion of this, and you know, they're they're trying to figure out why this might be, but the people who are owning cats are significantly less happy than everybody else um, around. Now they're trying to figure out why that is, and they think, well, maybe it's you know one of the factors is that you know people who own dogs um, they, they they tend to identify maybe as as being like a higher economic class they're saying that they're also saying that dog owners are more likely to be married and own their own homes than cat owners because i mean if you got a dog it's trust me if you got a dog it's easy to have it's it's much easier to have two people that are around to take care of the dog than it is to just have one person um, I understand there's lots of single people that have dogs, but it's it's a it's more of a of a challenge. Whereas a cat, you can just let the cat go, and you know you see the cat two days later as long as you put out some food and water, you're set. But the interesting part of this study to me was dog owners significantly more happy with their lives than cat owners. All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, just one segment on this. Pet owners, non-pet owners, dog owners, cat owners. I will tell you this. My my personal experience, and if you're a long-time listener to this program, you know there, there, there's no secret to this. I have a my dog's going to be four years old uh, in May next month. Um, she is together with my beautiful wife, the lights of my life. My life is quite candidly, it's a lot richer and fuller because when I go home at night, I've got this. It doesn't matter what kind of day I've had. I could have had the greatest day in the world or I could have had just the crummiest day in the world and my dog is thrilled to see me and she's delighted it's it is a comfort I I've I've dated women in the past a long time ago who who own cats I don't get cats I I admit it but I understand exactly if I was filling out the survey I'm talking to you about I would I would have answered the same way I think pets number one make your life a lot better and number two, I understand what, where dogs are. I understand why dogs would contribute to people's overall happiness. So let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Pet owners, non-pet owners, do pets improve the quality of your life? Do you think they make you happier? And 
Is there a difference between dogs and cats? I'm ready for the debate. 414-799-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. See, what interests me about this, it isn't, do you prefer dogs or cats? Who cares about that? But what's really interesting to me is this this general social, social survey, something that's been around since 1972, says when they're comparing pet owners, one of the things they're finding is people who own dogs say they're they're very happy with their life. People who own cats, less so. Now, I understand that that's it's an overall survey. I just think that's the interesting thing. Why could that be? Is that legit? 414-799-1620. Nicole in Manitowoc. Hi, Nicole. Hi, how are you? I am well, thank you. I'm a happy dog owner, though. So am I. <laughs> um, you know, it's kind of interesting. I was on my way to the store, and I was listening to your show, and I heard this, and I thought, okay, i got to chime in on this. Okay. Um, so we have friends that own cats, and um, it's not that they're not happy people, but they don't ever get to see their cats. They're hiding all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and that sort of thing. Now, uh, we had a chocolate lab we put down three years ago. Mm. He was 14. Now we have a black lab who's 11. And every day we come home, we see our dog. He's there. He, we love him. He's happy. He's happy to see us. We don't have children. So it's a it's just a wonderful thing to have a dog because they're so loving. and right, right. Down, they're, they're, they're happy to see you. When I absolutely. go home every day, my wife, I think, she's glad to see me most days. But Sasha <laughs> is thrilled to see me anytime I walk in the door. It makes you feel great. Absolutely. And, you know, my husband and I, you know, he, he uh, our dog's name is Duke. He's a black lab. He's, but he's um, he's always there and he's. When he, one of us are sad, he's like, he always is there, and he always knows when mm-hmm. something's wrong. And I think that dogs are more social animals than cats, and I think that's why people are happier when they are dog owners than cat owners. So you believe that's the survey? Thing. You think that you, you think in general? Okay, no, thanks Absolutely. for the call. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I, a number of people are call are, are texting me, and, and here's, here's a representative one. As a dog owner, you have to get out and walk the dog, be outside, see the sun, etc. You don't need to do anything like that with cats. I think that, this is what the texture says, I think that's why dog owners are happier than cat owners. It's sort of a social thing. It's healthier. You're getting exercise. You're out there. And, and I would agree with that, too. To an extent when the dog needs to go out on a cold winter morning it's 5 a.m i'm not sure how much i feel but but in general i understand you know you're out you're walking the dog um you're interacting with other people who are out there you're waving other people who are walking their dogs lots of people have dogs in the neighborhood i live in 414-799-1620 let's talk to bill in oshkosh bill you're on wtmj good afternoon Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you doing? I am well, thank you. It's a good Friday afternoon. What do you think about this? Dogs, cats, healthier, happier, well, what? Um, my wife and I are cat owners, and we couldn't be happier. Uh, we got two cats from the Humane Society in Milwaukee, and mm-hmm. then we moved up here. And granted... Uh, they don't jump at you, you know, <laughs> you at the door like a pup will. Right. But at the same time, both dogs and cats, and I firmly believe this, they give unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Period. No yeah. questions asked. All they want is a dog, you take them out for a walk. Cat, you can clean out their litter box, <laughs> you know. No, I- and... Uh, 
I, I, no, I, I agree. I mean, it's, they got my, my, my dog makes my heart melt. It, it, she, she just, she just does. My wife will just like say, I hope, I hope you never have to decide between me and the dog. I said, honey, I, I, I love you both. You know, but that's, no, but it, it is that, that unconditional love sort of thing. Now people are texting me, well, what about other sorts of pets? What about rabbits and things like that? The, the survey didn't explore that because they, they didn't, in their sample size, they didn't have enough owners of of snakes or rabbits or hamsters that that they could like draw any conclusions on. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Alex in West Bend. Hi Alex. Hi. Uh so yeah, I obviously listened to the show and decided to call in. Okay, what do you think? Um uh, I think that uh, think I think that having a pet is gonna make you happier in general. Um, I think they definitely enrich lives. However, in the, in, when it comes to dogs and cats, uh, I think, you know, and, and I'm not making a comparison like raising a dog is like raising a child, but you do a lot more care for a dog, and I think that's what really enriches the bond um, between uh, a dog and their owner. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to take it for walks. You have to take it out. Um you know, and, and right, you have to you play know, with it. My my dog gets very insistent about you know we we have to play fetch, um, or or else she's not going to be happy. And or, and there she will come along. And when I'm when I'm getting ready for the show in the morning, I'm sitting in a chair in the living room with the computer. She wants to be in my lap. You know that she's like roof roof, dad, pick me up, put me in your lap. That that's kind of our morning ritual, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So you do interact. Cats, yeah, cats are kind of like. Well, you know, I'm here. You know, I, I'm going to do what I want to do, man. <laughs> yeah, cats are cats are very independent, um, and they kind of come and go as they please. So I, I think, again, a cat. My girlfriend has two cats and a dog, um, and her cat her cats are great. I have nothing against cats. Um, I personally would never own one. I right. just think that dogs are. are this, it's just a greater. I I lived overseas. For five years, I lived in uh, New Zealand for five years, and I flew my dog out there. Um, I I don't know if I would ever do that for a cat. Right. No. No, I get it. No, thanks for the call. No, and, and again, part of it is, that's why I wanted to start this off. I mean, part of it is, okay, they're, they're, th- this survey draws correlations, and it says, okay, because wh- they don't say, are you happy with your life because you've got the dog? They say, okay, are you happy with your life? And then they look at all the people that say they're happy, and then they look at all the people who say, no, I'm not particularly happy. And then they say, okay, well, let's look. And, and the universe of people who own dogs that say they are happy is a lot larger than the universe of people who own cats and say they're happy. Rather, they find a lot of the cat owners are saying that they're not happy. But there could be all sorts of other factors. As, as I said earlier, maybe it's one of the things is dog owners tend to be married more because or, or at least in – in committed relationships because it's it's tough dogs need a lot more attention and it, it's tough to not impossible mind you but it's it's tougher to you know have a dog when it's just you and you're trying to work 40 or 50 hours a week so i mean that could be a conclusion too okay if, if you assume that married people are happier than single people uh, okay, people can argue about that, but you know, if, if you've got that factor, that's something that you got to consider. Jim in Hales Corners. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Jim. Jim. Yeah, um, we used to have dogs. We had little Schnauzers and uh, a pet and a poodle, and unfortunately, they all passed. Uh, and then we saved two cats from uh, feral cats that were wandering around. One by the picket save in Franklin, and one in our backyard. 
had him for three, four years, and I never, never thought I'd be a cat person. Um, <laughs> yeah, me. Never. Yeah, right. Never. But, but they brought you around? You have come around? They have, because we read up on them. And I think a lot of people don't research cats, and their cats are very, very subtle in what they do, how they express their love, they rub up against you. That's a, you know, a dog comes running at you and licks your face, <laughs> a cat right. rubs up against your leg. Right. <laughs> but... The, the affection is still the same, and they just show it in different ways. And and so I think people just yeah. don't understand cats very well. It, and once we did, we, we came to love them much, much more. When I was in college, I dated this gal who, who had a cat, and I... I just think that cat looked at me like I was food, you know. <laughs> if, if the cat was bigger or I was smaller, I, I think that I, I think I would be food. I, but I, I understand. Thanks. Maybe I'm not giving him a chance. Although this particular cat, this cat hated me. There was no question about it. I, I just that I, I would. <laughs> I, I would take a nap, like on this couch, and the cat would climb up on the blinds and then on, on the drapes, and it would drop off on me right as I got to sleep. And the cat knew exactly, exactly what it is that we was doing. But I, the cat also probably knew that I was a, a dog guy. I, I think you know, regardless of where you come down on the cats or dogs or the rabbits or whatever, the the other takeaway of this, and this is, this is from somebody who who spent. Who grew up with dogs, but spent a good spent a good portion of their adult life saying, "Ah, what do we want a dog for? It's too much trouble, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. I, I do have to say that having, without getting too metaphysical about this, having an animal spirit around the house is is pretty darn cool. And they're they're a bunch of work. There, there's no question. There's a bit of an expense that goes along with it, but it it's all it's just worth it on just a, on a regular basis. There's no no question about it, even when it's 5.30 in the morning and the dog is, mm, Dad, I got to go out. So uh, maybe you disagree with this. It is kind of interesting. For the first time ever, they ask these questions. And they, they for those of you who are dog lovers and believe that dogs make your life happier, the survey confirms it. Cat owners, eh, maybe not so much, but that doesn't mean they're right. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the show. So, Gru, who's producing the show today and always, I, it was absolutely swamped with email, with texts about that, that last thing that we, we talked about, the whether or not pets improve the quality of life, except for one of our listeners who who felt that, no, I should be spending the time talking about more significant issues. Like, well, who who cares about pets and happiness? We should be talking about, I don't know, the Mueller report. Eh. Or Joe Biden. Well, we did that as well. Or Michael Cohen. He's got more information. Or, you know, what's going on? No, I don't think so. I, I think sometimes, especially on Fridays, we have to perhaps look at some of the the bigger issues and in, in life beyond just... I don't know. Do you like the president or don't like you? Do, do you not like the president? There's always time for politics. All right. Pop Culture Corner coming up in about 20 minutes. Before that, interesting social phenomena is going on. More and more people are cutting the cord. We've, we've talked about that before. By cutting the cord, we mean moving from the traditional you 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 have cable tv or you have a satellite dish that the trip the typical 
pay cable. And when I talk about pay cable, I'm describing that in a general term, you know, like the cable or that. More and more people are cutting the cord. They're saying, well, look, I don't need to spend, you know, X amount of dollars for the satellite dish. I don't need to spend X amount of dollars for the, the cable TV thing. What I'll, all I need to do is I need to have a good internet service and I need to have a, a good streaming service. So I'm I'm happy with with Netflix, for example. That'll give me what I need. Or maybe I'll go with Hulu. Or now there's the Apple thing that's out there. I, I can go with Apple and that's it. And I can make arrangements to get uh, access to the over the air TV stations. And I don't need all all this stuff. And there is, I guess, I mean, I understand that more and more people are, are doing that, and that's a challenge to the typical cable industry. But here's the problem that, that's happening. And, you know, given that Apple is now entering the, the streaming video business, what's happening is they're finding that a, a number of the people, number of people who've cut the cord, who have, like, Netflix or have Amazon or have Hulu, what they're getting is they're getting like what they call subscription fatigue, kind of streaming you have too many services that are available to the point that it's almost like there's a lot of duplicative stuff. And it's like, well, OK, I, I've got Netflix, but I don't want to miss something. So I have to have Hulu. And then I've got Netflix and Hulu, but there might be something on the CBS all access thing. They've got the new Twilight Jones show that's coming out. So I, I've got to have that. And then you, you don't know what's going to be on Apple. So I've got to get that. So what they're finding is at least with some people who need to have a little bit of everything that yeah, they don't have cable anymore, or they don't have the satellite anymore, but what they've got is they've got all these other things that are, essentially, it's the same sort of thing as you had with cable. You've got all these streaming services, and what they're presenting is almost too much for anybody to watch. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Let's talk about cord cutting and let's talk about what you do. Now, right now at my house, we have um, we have one of the traditional cable providers. We're, we're Spectrum customers, and I admit there's a lot of stuff on Spectrum on, on basic cable that on the cable that we have that I, I I never watch, but there is stuff that I do. We also have Netflix, and we use Netflix a lot. I haven't. I haven't gotten into and I haven't gotten any of the other different services that are out there because I, I figure I, I really don't need them and I, I don't have enough time to watch all the stuff that I want to watch now. But yet I read all these reviews of these different TV shows and things like that that are out there and, you know, this is only on Amazon Prime or this is only on the CBS All Access or to get this you need to have Hulu. And I think, oh boy, a lot of these TV shows, these would be kind of cool and I'd probably like to watch them as well. If I wasn't careful, I could easily see how I could end up with five or six different streaming services on top of the cable. 414-799-1620. Can you get by with just one? How do you do it? Do we need this? Do we have almost what I'm going to call streaming fatigue? 414-799-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. Here's what Bill Tech. Jeff, it's getting out of hand. I have YouTube subscription. I have a Netflix subscription. I have an Amazon subscription. And on top of that, I have cable 
Um, um, I have cable, a cable package. I forgot. I also have the CBS All Access package because the new Star Trek show is only shown on CBS All Access. Yeah, for, for everybody that talks about cutting the cord, let's go to the streaming service. What well, kind of defeats the purpose? Maybe if you need to have five or six streaming services, just saying. Jeff in Waukesha. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, I got caught up in that for a while. I had cable, and then I, you know, I started thinking it's a Netflix thing, and it's like, well, maybe I should get this premium cable channel. And all of a sudden, I'm dropping like 120 bucks a month on television. <laughs> right. So, and you don't I, have time I, to watch it all. That's just I, the truth. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I cut it off, and I got one thing now. It's called an antenna. <laughs> it costs me nothing, and there's way more on there than I'll ever have time to watch. And for what I was spending, I can go to the movie theater three times a week, get a large popcorn. <laughs> And still be money ahead. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, thanks for call. I mean, see, th- in some respects, this is like the golden age of television. Matter of fact, that's going to be something that we're going to lead into in just a little bit. It, 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 there's all these great choices out there, and there's all these different shows. But, I mean, a lot of the, the shows, particularly, they're, they're unique to different streaming services. Okay, you want to watch House of Cards. Well, you have to have Netflix. You want to watch uh, the new Twilight Zone that's out. You have to have CBS All Access, and you have to pay for all these different things. You know, Amazon Prime. Well, you get Amazon Prime if you're an Amazon Prime customer. But but pretty soon, well, if the idea was, hey, I'm going to simplify my life. I'm going to cut the cable. I'm going to just have the antenna. Next thing you know, you look around and you've got five or six streaming services because they they all do something a little bit different. Well, have we really made our lives simpler? Steve in Green Bay. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, uh, as I told the screeners, we've looked at it probably every three months we look at studying it before, but the problem is, either have to get, like you said, so many streaming services, you also don't get a DVR. Right. And chances are, we, there's always two or three things you want to watch at the same time, so you've got to record it. And also, you can watch an hour show in like 42 minutes. If you have to right. So, and then you look at by price of all those services. We have Netflix and we have Amazon Prime just because we have the Prime for shipping and stuff like that, but Otherwise, you start spending, you know, it's almost cheaper to have cable, even though you only watch probably less than 10% of the channels you have. Well, yeah. No, I mean, and, and that's how it all adds up. Now, look, I haven't gotten to the point of I, I am not a cord cutter. And I, as I freely acknowledge on this program, I'm not an early adopter. So, uh, but I, I mean, I, I we did break down and get Netflix. But, I mean, here, here's part of the other thing that I have is I, and my wife will tell you this, that um, I, I, I'm a live sports guy. And so, I mean, if if there are sports on, they're on. And the truth of the matter is, if you watch a wide variety of sports like I do, you, you need to have cable or satellite or whatever that's going to be. I mean, you know, okay, I, I want Fox Sports Wisconsin because I want to be able to have the option to watch the Bucks when they're on. And I want to be able to watch the Brewers when they're on, of course. And I like the Golf Channel that, that's on because I'm going to watch that for a while. And I want the different ESP channels because I'm going to watch baseball and I want the baseball network and I want the NBA network and by the time you the live sports the English Premier League I'm embarrassed to acknowledge that but yeah I love all that stuff so by the time you start adding that it's like okay well could I replace these different things yeah maybe I could but it would be a lot of trouble it's just as easy to have that remote and push the button and boom you, you've got all that stuff there but at the same time as somebody who loves a lot of the stuff that's on TV and loves a lot of the different shows that are out there i i I want to have access to the netflix of the world i mean so far i have resisted the urge 
to to get multiple streaming services. But I, I admit it's a temptation because you look at this and you say, oh, there, there's this show that's out there and everybody says it's just a really, really good show, but it's only available on Hulu or whatever. Well, do I want to pay an extra whatever it costs to have Hulu for this one show? Well, no, I, I'm probably able to live without it. But for everybody who's like been pushing for a la carte stuff or for, hey, let, let's have the streaming service because it's going to make your life simpler. Truth of the matter is, it appears, believe it or not, that it might be making your life more complicated and perhaps more expensive. Maybe the answer is what our first caller's position was. Hey, let's just go back to the simple times. I've got an over-the-air antenna. That's all I need. Now, I'm not willing to go back that far. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Forty-seven degrees outside, so glad to have you with us. Pop Culture Corner coming up in about ten minutes. Stick around for that. If you are a regular listener of this program, you know that I am I am frustrated by the the anti vaccination hysteria that I, I think is is sweeping the, the, the country. It is a frustration to me that childhood diseases, measles, mumps. And, and perhaps even more serious ones like polio, things that have been eradicated by advances in medical science are now making a comeback, particularly in the area of measles. You know, you have, you have more measles cases now than you've had in years. And the reason is because more and more people are making the decision that they don't want to get vaccinated. Now, this topic isn't a vaccination versus an anti-vaccination topic. I personally, and I and understand it's an individual choice, I think it's irresponsible not to have your kids vaccinated unless your your doctor tells you that there is a reason. I mean, the, the the bottom line is for vaccinations to succeed, you need this kind of herd mentality. You need a certain percentage of people to to get the vaccinations. And as a f- result of the fact that people are making decision not to, in many respects, based on what I believe to be junk science or silly stuff that they've read on the Internet, you have these childhood diseases which are making a comeback. Now, for many people, right, maybe you had the measles when you were a kid and you, you have them, then you've got an immunity. But the problem, of course, is that... There are people who, because of compromised immune systems or whatever, who can't get vaccinated. So, you know, they if they contract the measles because they're exposed to somebody that has it, well, then, then it becomes a life-threatening sort of situation. So I, I think we need to toughen the laws. I think that, for example... I think if you if you don't want to have your kids vaccinated, that's fine. But then maybe the public school should be closed to you. I, I and I understand some people think that that's extreme, but I, I just at some point in time, I think the greater good is more important. Now, having said that, there's a story in the Journal Sentinel that caught my attention. Um, what happened is this woman who lives in Sussex gets a a letter that's not signed by an individual. The letter is signed Concerned Moms of Wisconsin. The Journal Sentinel had had this story up. It's it's a form letter and it says like dear resident and then it says your neighbor and it, it lists the name of of the particular neighbor. It said your neighbor and then it goes on. It's a couple paragraphs long, but it essentially says that your neighbor um, has, does not has not had her children vaccinated. 
And it goes on to talk about all the different problems that come um, from not having you know a child vaccinated. The letter advised neighbors to use caution when sharing work or personal space with this individual, eating foods prepared by this individual, or attending gatherings at the individual's house if you or the people who are important to you fall into any medically at-risk categories. It also warns people who are not fully vaccinated, like infants and the immunocompromised, to avoid the neighbor. So it's this letter that is sent out. And whoever sends it out, again, doesn't sign it. And it's just, dear neighbor, you you should know these type of things. And the lady who got the letter decided to go public with this. And it started this huge debate about whether or not this is vaccine shaming. Is this the thing? Is this going too far? Is this, okay, here, we're going to put the scarlet A on you or the scarlet V in this case, because you, you haven't been, you know, your kid hasn't been vaccinated or you don't believe in vaccinations. I, I guess I, I read the story with interest because this is from the perspective of somebody who believes that, that people should be vaccinated and believes the folks who are making decisions not to get their kids vaccinated are putting the rest of us in danger. Having said that, what a chicken poop way to go about, you know, dealing with this particular issue to go through somebody's neighborhood and put, you know, anonymous letters saying, well, you know, you need to watch out for this or you need to watch out for that or whatever. I mean, really, Look, I think we need to have a conversation in this community and in this state and in this country about what requirements are and, and should people should people be able to opt out of getting vaccinated as easily as they are. I think that is all a fair discussion. But, you know, and I guess it's also fair if you're in a neighborhood, for example, with a bunch of kids and the, the Wagner family down the block has made the decision that they're not going to vaccinate their kids. I mean, I, I think it's a reasonable conversation to have because you're like, well, okay, if, if my child is too young to be vaccinated, do I want to go over to the Wagner house where they've got a bunch of kids who, for all we know, might might be carrying the measles because you can be sick with the measles for a period of time before, you know, any of the symptoms show. So, I mean, I, I think that's a fair conversation to have on an individual basis about, gee, do I want to bring my kids over to play or do I want to bring my unimmunized infant over to have coffee with these folks if the kids, you know, haven't been vaccinated and I don't want my kid to get sick? Those are all very, very fair conversations to have. But, you know, you shouldn't do it in an anonymous sort of fashion like that. That's like, hey, let, let's bring this out and let's talk about it. Because, again, while I disagree with the people who make the decision not to get their kids vaccinated, this isn't the scarlet letter type of days. It, it's something that you, I think, generally speaking, as a society, we confront not with anonymous mimeographed letters that you stick in different mailboxes. Having said that, if more people made the decision to get their kids vaccinated, we'd be back to where we were 15 years ago, where, for example, something like needles, measles completely and totally eradicated. And wouldn't that be a good place to be? It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 414-799-1620 to get on the show. And now, here's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. All right, let's stop talking about the Mueller report. We won't worry about where Joe Biden is putting his hands for the weekend. Let's talk about 
an aspect of pop culture. Now, I, I, when I try to select the topics for any given week, it, it's typically based on something that's going on in the week that kind of tickles my fancy and I hope will tickle yours. Next Sunday night, a week from Sunday, big doings on television because it is the start of the final season, the final six episodes of Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones has been the hot thing on HBO for the last several years. Matter of fact, it, it you know, I, I remember when the Sopranos TV show ended, it was always like, okay, what's HBO going to do next? And HBO, I think, was wrestling for a while. And then they hit on, on Game of Thrones. Now, I confess, I only watched the first season of Game of Thrones because... I intend to read the books at some point in time. I read the first book. I have the other books. Just haven't gotten around to reading them yet. And I, I don't like to watch shows before I've read the book when I know I'm going to read the book. So I am kind of in the wilderness when it comes to Game of Thrones. But I know that winter is coming. I've kind of followed the plot lines just in general in the media. So I sort of know what's happened. But this is the final season of Game of Thrones. And then... That it's going to be history, you know. Might they do, you know, um, prequels or sequels or something? Maybe, but it's going to create a huge vacuum. And there's no question in my mind that a lot of people are going to miss that show. We get attached to our TV programs. We get attached to our characters. We seem to think I seem sometimes they're they're our friends or whatever. We build in many cases, you know, we build our weekly schedules around, hey, the show, when is this show coming back on? What's happening to these particular characters? How is this particular thing going to end? Are Sam and Diane going to get together? All those different types of things. It's it's amazing, I think, the connection that television, I think, has to us, regardless of what your gender is, regardless of what your age is. You know, we, we care about, we get involved in our TV shows. And then, inevitably, what happens is, a TV show goes away. It gets canceled. Um, it runs its course, you know, whatever. And then it's gone. And you're waiting. No, no, no. I, I want to know what, what, what happens after Walter White dies in Breaking Bad? What happens to Jesse? You know, what, what's going on with Mary Richards? Where is she going to be once she leaves the newsroom? You want to know those questions. What happened to Hawkeye? You, we, we've got, connections like that and you still kind of ask those questions so for pop culture corner this week i want to talk about tv and i want to talk about tv shows that are gone not forgotten our number 414-799-1620 that is the acunet mortgage talk and text line all right what television show do you miss the most and my guess is when I do this topic a year from now, number of people are going to say, boy, I really miss Game of Thrones. But what TV show do you miss the most? It could be a recent TV show. It could have been a TV show from your youth. It could be, again, a drama, a comedy. Doesn't matter. The television show that you miss the most, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As I always advise people, you know, I encourage you to call early because our phone lines tend to jam up, and I want to get to as many calls as possible. But in recognition, in honor of the fact that Game of Thrones is going away, and I think a lot of people are going to miss it, the TV show that you wish was still on that you miss the most, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We are back to discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
Hey, tomorrow at the Wisconsin State Fair Park, it's the Bike Expo sale with wheel and sprocket. WTMJ's Gene Muller, Muller, Gene Miller will be live on site from noon until 2 p.m. Gene's going to be giving away a variety of prizes, including the chance to win tickets to the Menominee Falls Symphony Orchestra's performance of Finland's Finest. Matter of fact, my brother was at that wheel and sprocket thing last night, bought my nephew uh, a new mountain bike, and, of course, They've got e-bikes there. I am a huge fan of those. I bought one last September from Wheel and Sprocket, and I can't wait to start riding it as soon as the weather gets a little nicer. All right, Pop Culture Corner. Game of Thrones is going away. What's the TV show you miss the most? Tony on the Northwest Side. Tony, you're first. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Tony. Jeff, I miss the old Dallas series with Larry Hagman. I tell you what, I miss seeing Jr. screwing over Cliff Barnes on a Friday night. <laughs> That used to make my day on Friday, my evening. <laughs> okay, so you re- you realize, Tony, that Jr. the Jr. was a bad guy. You realize you were rooting for the bad guy. Yeah, but he was a good bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he he was no thanks. I mean, I I remember I was a fan of Dallas and the long suffering wife Sue Ellen. I tried to get into the new version of Dallas that they had on a couple years ago with. Um, I think it was on TNT or something. It ran for a couple of years, but it just, it just, it was never quite the same as the original. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Mark in Germantown. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Uh, I had a couple of one that I thought ended too soon was Deadwood. Oh yeah, you know they're you know they're they're coming out with a Deadwood movie. It's going to be on the air in a month or so. Oh really? Okay. Yeah, on HBO. They, they, apparently, they finished filming it, and it's got a lot of the characters. It picks up like ten years later. A lot oh, of the original ones, and I, I think it's going to. I think it's. I want to say it airs at the end of this month, or maybe next month. I think that's what I read. Wow. The other one I really, really liked from long ago was the Wonder Years. I just all the stories were like from our childhood. You know. Did you have a uh, Did you have a crush on Winnie Cooper like I did? I did. <laughs> you know, in the, in the, what's funny is the bangs work for her, and bangs don't work for many women. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. No, thanks for every. Right, you're, I, I know exactly what you mean because, like, the Wonder Years was one of those that if you were of a certain age, it was like, okay, I, I'm that kid. That that's that's me. Um, that's how I felt about the movie Almost Famous. The 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 kid who, you know, if that that would have been me if. If I was writing for the Rolling Stone, you know, Rolling Stone, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty TV shows that you miss. Let's talk to Steve in Iron Mountain. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? Real well, thank you, sir. What do you think? Oh, twenty four all the way with Keeper Sutherland. Right, right. Uh, now- I mean, it was just from the get from the start of every episode. It was like you didn't know where it was going. Mm-hmm. You're on the edge of your seat. I mean, um, he's interrogating people and shooting them in the leg. You know, just all the different things. He was just so... I don't know. Right. Yeah, well, it, so no, it, 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 and that was so, that was a groundbreaking TV show just because, I mean, it, it covered things that other TV shows had covered, but the way they did it, that here, we're just going to, we're going to show you, you know, each show is going to be kind of a day in the life. That was such an amazing, I, I think, plot device that really caught people's interest. It was it was a great concept, and I, I think it, it could still be running. Um, if, uh well, right. If they, yeah, they, so, I mean, that, that's the problem. At some point in time, the problem is, I, I think they they run out of ideas, and, and that's one of the issues. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. John in Waukesha. John, good afternoon. Good afternoon. So I got to say, Boston Legal. Oh, because I thought it was an awesome. Uh, I mean, just an awesome spinoff from the practice. Right. And it always kept you on the edge of your seat, like you. 
you'd think it'd go one way, and it would go some way, you know, a different direction. So it's right. amazing. You know, it's interesting. That's a, maybe, you know, maybe it's just because I'm, I'm a recovering lawyer. I, I, I didn't get into that show until I started watching reruns, and I, I kind of, like, binge-watched and stuff. But, yeah, that was, I mean, plus... You know William Shatner. What was the, his character was like Denny Crane or something? Was that that yeah. was the William? Yeah, I mean Will, yeah. Will, William Shatner was was just great in that particular role. Right, and he was like you know with James Spader, he was kind of like the idol of Spader. Yeah, you know Spader loved this man. He took care of this man. You know, right. and it's just a great show. No, it it, it was. Uh, thanks for all. Interestingly, a lot of the, the first couple callers the shows are a little bit more obscure. I thought we'd get some of the. I thought we'd get ones like, gee, I, I wish The Sopranos was still on and stuff. And I, for example, I, I, I the, the Sopranos. One of my beefs with TV shows sometimes is I, I think they overstay their welcome. They're, they're great shows, but I think the writers run out of plot lines. I, I think Breaking Bad ended at exactly the right time. The Sopranos, as great as it was, I think it went on a little bit too long. Now, having said that, one of the shows that I'm really into now that's I don't know when they haven't announced when the new date is that they're going to bring it back is the uh, Breaking Bad sequel, the prequel, sequel, whatever, Better Call Saul. Um, that's going to be coming back. But I'm, I'm fascinated by that. And I, you know that that's going to be ending in the next couple years. And it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to miss that when it's gone. 414-799-1620. Let's take a couple texts. I would say MASH, but the reruns live on. One I miss the most is the West Wing. The Alan Alda character and Jimmy Smith's character could have carried it on, or I wish they would have. See, that's another one for me. The West Wing, and this this shows how good that show was in the beginning because it's clearly not my politics, but I thought I, I thought they did a a good job. I mean, I was fascinated by it. I think after three or four years, they ran out of story ideas, too, and The West Wing would be another example of one that I think went on too long. Uh, another text, The Sons of Anarchy. Hmm, that was the motorcycle gang one. I had trouble with The Sons of Anarchy just because, uh, the, okay, the, the heroes, quote-unquote, the heroes was a, a, a gun-running, murdering bunch of motorcycle thugs, and the, I guess the argument was, the conceit was, well, they're they're not... There are better bad guys than some of the other bad guys. I had trouble with that. 414-799-1620. Patrick in Fond du Lac. Patrick, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Patrick. Uh, this, the show I miss is from the early 2000s. It was called American Dreams. I'm not sure I ever saw that. What was that about? Um, it was about a, a girl growing up in Philadelphia in the 1960s and kind of dealing with like that turn of the century, okay. turn of the 1960s, and, and just kind of growing up and dealing with all those like racial oh, sure. uh, tensions in Vietnam and family oh. Vietnam and kids with polio and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I know. And, and that didn't have a very long run, did it? It wasn't. It was no. only on a couple years, it did, right? Yeah. Yep, it was on NBC and right. ended in two thousand five. Okay, yeah, I do. I do. Interesting. I think I, I I watched that a couple times. Part of part of the problem I have with TV is that, especially with some of the newer shows, there there's just there's just so much of the stuff on that it, it's tough to pick and choose and know what you want to watch. Here's a text, Jeff. It's super old, but I miss Saint Elsewhere. I loved St. Elsewhere. I mean, I, I'll tell you, I'll go back the one segment before St. Elsewhere, Hill Street Blues. And I, I just, to me, Hill Street Blues was a transformative type of TV show. You don't have NYPD Blue. You don't have The Wire. You don't have a lot of the, these shows that we watch. Now, I don't think you have Breaking Bad if you didn't have Hill Street Blues. And that was one, 
again, I wouldn't necessarily say, I, I, I mean, I miss it a lot. I, I think it ended at the right time because, again, at some point in time, you've just kind of told all the stories that are to tell. But I, I miss that. You know, earlier on in the introduction, I was making references. But one sitcom that I used to love was was the, the, new, the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Not the Dick Van Dyke one, but the Mary Tyler Moore Show. And I remember when that ended, it was like, no, we want this to go on. Mary, don't leave the newsroom. 414-799-1620. Paul on the south Oh, hit the right button, Jeff. Paul on the south side. Paul, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. Um, I, I've been watching on Netflix. Uh, it's a series. Uh, uh, it's called Hell on Wheels. Right, it was on AMC a couple years ago. Right, first right, run. Yep. Really a good show. Um, I'm just now catching the ending of it, but it keeps you on the edge of your seat all the way through. Yeah, about building the about building or uh, the transcontinental railroad. Yeah, right. Parts of it are based on true stories. It's really uh, something to watch. Yeah, it's I I I watched it. I, I especially watched the first. Um, I I went back and watched the the end of it. I, I I thought the first year or so was better. Okay, here's a couple. Uh, text Jeff Justified. I I love Justified. Justified. I think it had a four or five year run. It was with the uh, Timothy Oliphant, the guy from Deadwood. We were talking about that earlier. I thought he was great in that. And the Shield. Um, yeah, that was that ran for about seven years. That you know you want to talk about one of the first kind of ant. It was if you hadn't seen the Shield, which was on FX, I believe. It, it's it's well worth seeing if you get a chance to um, if you get a chance to watch it. But it's it's about a crooked cop and it's it follows all the things that the crooked cops do. And the Shield has one of the best, in my opinion, endings of, of any series ever, um, just ever. But it's worth watching. Let's talk to um, is it uh, Leo and Franklin? Yeah, hi there. How are you doing? Real well, thank you. Okay, what show and what show do you really miss? Barney Miller. Oh, with Hal, Hal Linden. Linden, sure. Yeah, and, I met him after the show was over at a golf course I was working at. And okay. I got his autograph. Okay. And, uh, he was just funnier than heck. He was there with his wife playing golf. So. I mean that that show. No, thanks. I mean that you know, of course. If for people who aren't familiar, Barney Barney Miller, he it was a, that was a police sitcom. It was a sitcom, you know, set in a police station, and you had um, Abe Vigoda, who um, was perhaps most famous for his role in the Godfather movies. But he played God, what was the name of his character? Fish, Fish, Detective Fish, and then he went on to have his own show after that. Okay, here's a couple more texts. Jeff, welcome back, Cotter. Um, followed by All in the Family and Taxi. All full of um, Hollywood legends. Yeah, Taxi would be one. I used to love Taxi as well. A couple other people are saying, interestingly, Welcome Back, Cotter, um, an HBO show, Boardwalk Empire. Right, That ran about five seasons. Again, I I think I, I could miss Boardwalk Empire. I like Boardwalk Empire, but I think it's another one that maybe it, it ended when it should have ended. Rick in Oconomowoc. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Rick. Taking you way back, sir. Yes, sir. Early 50s and your show of shows with Sid Caesar and Imogen Coca. Way before my time, but I have heard of it. Yes, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the Rick that used to live on Acacia Cross. Ah, sure. That's before your time, too, Rick, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Thank you very much, sir. No, okay. No, you're right. right again, I'll give you one more. Okay. Touched by an angel. 
Oh, Touched by an Angel. Right. A- absolutely. Much more contemporary. Right. Rick, you take care of yourself. Um, former neighbor of my parents way back in the day. Nancy from Sheboygan says, I miss Quantum Leap. Yeah, I loved Quantum Leap. You know, you can still see that in reruns. But, you know, Quantum Leap, another one of these outstanding ones. That, that, that This has been kind of a fun segment. Again, Game of Thrones is, is going away. HBO's got to figure out how to replace it. But bottom line is... We get connected to the different TV shows, and they come and they go, and that's fine because, you know, you, you can't have the new ones if you don't get rid of some of the old ones. But bottom line is we all, I think we get attached to our television shows, no question about it. All right, that's it for Pop Culture Corner for this week. When we come back, John McCure will find out what he has on his mind for the Friday edition of Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around.